We're going to be in Psalm 125, a Psalm 125, and we're spending our summer in this section of the Psalms called the Songs of Ascent, and we're calling this preaching series Pilgrim Songs because these 15 Psalms became like a playlist or a hymn book for the people of Israel as they made their uh, three annual pilgrimages for uh, their religious feasts and for the worship of God's people in Jerusalem. In Psalm 120, we saw that we call to the Lord in our distress and he answers us. Psalm 121, the Lord will hold on to us no matter what because he is our help. Psalm 122, we go with gladness to the house of the Lord. Psalm 123, life is a pilgrimage that parallels the journey to Jerusalem. We are going to God, opposed on every side, and the mercy of the Lord is the only thing that will get us there. In Psalm 24 last week, we saw that the Lord is on our side, that we, could, uh, that we should consider what surely would have happened to us if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and then worship Him for it and trust Him in it. And Psalm 125 carries on that theme of trust. There's a global marketing uh, firm called Edelman that, that annually does a trust barometer report. And, and what that report shows for 2022 is that uh, there has been an at least 10 percentage point drop in trust across the United States since 2017. This unprecedented crisis of trust that we all instinctually know is, is there, it started not in a time of economic collapse or societal catastrophe, but in a time of relative prosperity and peace, and then has continued to drop throughout the last uh, two and a half years and all the volatility that we have experienced. The truth is, as a people, we are losing trust in our institutions, and we are losing trust in each other. And in a nation and a world where trust is very clearly eroding, the people of God can have a powerful witness as we trust in the Lord. And this psalm reminds us that we have every reason to trust in the Lord, and it shows us, uh, helps us understand what that looks like in our lives. So look with me at Psalm 125, and if you're able, please stand in honor of God's word. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Our gracious God, you are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are our help. And we need you. 
Lord, we need you every moment of every day. We need your sustaining grace uh, to keep us alive. But Lord, we especially need your grace in these moments as we come to your word. On our own, apart from the work of your Holy Spirit, taking your word and illuminating our, our, our minds and enlivening our hearts so that we hear and believe and love and respond to and apply what your word has to say, Lord, we have no hope. So do good to your people, Lord. Help us to hear and to understand and to believe and to love and to apply what you have to say to us at this time through your word and by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we wait expectantly for you to do a mighty work in us through your grace, which you have made accessible to us by your indwelling spirit and your inspired word. Bless it now to our, our hearing and bless your people through it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. One of our favorite family activities is going to the pool. And all my kids now love the pool, but it, it was not always so. All four of them went through a, a time very early in their lives where the, the pool was a scary proposition. And they all went through the same process where there's daddy standing in the pool with his arms outstretched. Child on the side of the pool armed with water wings on the verge of tears. And daddy saying, okay, when I count to three, you're going to jump and I'm going to catch you. And then again, okay, <laughs> this time when daddy counts to three, I want you to jump and I will catch you. And it took longer with some than with others, but eventually all of them jumped, and now they love the pool. But why did they all jump even though they were scared? They jumped because of trust. They were not sure about the safety of the pool. They were not convinced of their ability to survive it even with floaties. They jumped because they were confident in their daddy's ability to catch them. And they believed that he would. And so in complete reliance, they jumped. Now the Hebrew word that we find in, in verse 1 of Psalm 125 is batah. And, and this is what it means. To put confidence in. To believe in a person or an object to the point of reliance upon. It means trust. And this psalm describes those who trust in the Lord and invites us, like scared children leaping into the arms of our Father, to join them in confidence, in belief, and reliance. And the psalmist here describes those who trust in the Lord in at least three ways. First, those who trust in the Lord are secure. Those who trust in the Lord are secure. We see that in verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Mount Zion is the hill on which Jerusalem, the holy city, sits. The Israelite pilgrims, as they were singing this song, they had either witnessed or they had been told about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. 
they had heard about for generations how the entire city of Jerusalem was wiped away and the temple was desecrated and the place of God's presence with his people was destroyed. But what they knew was that the ground underneath the city, the ground underneath the temple, Mount Zion, had not moved at all. And so the city and the temple and the wall around Jerusalem could be rebuilt right where it had been before. Mount Zion was secure. Even after the city and the temple were destroyed again in 70 AD, according to Jesus' prophecy that not one stone would be left upon another, Mount Zion was and remains to this day in the same spot, secure. Sometimes people um, who have objections uh, to our faith or to belief in a God will ask a, a question like this. Could God make a rock so big that even he couldn't move it? Now, there's a very clear logical contradiction here. See, God is infinite, and it's including infinite power to lift anything. Nothing outside of God, therefore, can be infinite. And so everything material is necessarily finite, and so a rock cannot be infinite as God is infinite with infinite power to lift anything. So, no, there's a logical contradiction, and God does not contradict himself. But also, God is not a magician performing tricks. He is the sovereign creator and ruler of the cosmos. When people asked Jesus for a sign, he rebuked them for trying to get him to be a performer for them. But while God would not, cannot make things that even he cannot move, he has made things that we cannot move, like mountains. As secure and unmovable as Mount Zion are those who trust in the Lord. And it's not because of our, the finite strength of our belief in him. It's because of the infinite strength of the object of our trust. As my fellow ARP pastor Sinclair Ferguson so eloquently said, the weakest faith gets the same strong Christ as the strongest faith. The weakest faith gets the same strong Christ as the strongest faith. And this is echoed in Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Psalm 16.8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Psalm 62.2. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us thus offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Our current national and global crisis of trust is sad. But it is not altogether unreasonable. People are sinful. Institutions can be corrupt. Power can be abused. Money can be worshipped. Evil can be called good. The world can be shaken. Our lives can be shaken. And we can experience the effects of all those things, even down to the relational pain of, of relying on someone that we ultimately find out 
we shouldn't have trusted. We can experience these realities and still say with the psalmist, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. We can experience these realities and still dwell secure, singing with the hymn writer, that soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. But how? How can we be like Mount Zion? How can we be secure in a world that is shaken? Because as the psalmist tells us in verse 2, those who trust in the Lord are surrounded. Those who trust in the Lord are secure, and those who trust in the Lord are surrounded. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. A few weeks ago, we got to be at Von Clarken, which is our denomination's camp and conference center. And we were there for the high school conference, but I only had a, a little small part every day where I did a little bit of teaching to high school students. And then I got to spend some of the rest of the time with my family. And we like to do a little bit of exploring uh, when we're in the mountains a little bit. We're not hardcore, but uh, after we, we had a place that was recommended to us. And after a little hike down, uh, we came to a pool of water. And there, were, there was water cascading down some rocks into this pool, and it was flowing on downstream. And it was just absolutely beautiful, and it was pleasant, and it made me want to worship God. But at one point, as I'm, I'm standing in the water with the kids, trying not to slip on, on one of those rocks, I kind of looked up and, and realized that all around me were the mountains. And I felt enveloped by them. Mount Zion, on which Jerusalem sits, is surrounded by higher hills, by higher mountains. And this is a, a visible reminder of God's constant presence with his people and of the security of being constant, always surrounded by him. The man that we know as St. Patrick begins his autobiography with these words. My name is Patrick. I am a sinner, a simple country person, and the least of all believers. What we know from his history is he grew up in a, a Christian family in Roman Britannia. But when he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped by Irish pirates, and he was sold into slavery uh, to an Irish chieftain, a pagan Irish chieftain. And after six years of hard labor, he was able to escape slavery and get back home to his family. But many years later, as Patrick was preparing for ministry, the Lord called him to leave home and family and to go back as a missionary to the land and to the people that had enslaved him, to go back to the Irish. And in his ministry, he faced fierce opposition from uh, the pagan tribes. But the gospel flourished through his bold ministry. How could Patrick face uncertainty and in danger uh, as he did? And you'll hear about a little bit of that in a minute. He did it through the security of knowing that he was surrounded by the Lord. He knew that he was surrounded by the Lord. And this is reflected in a prayer of his uh, that survived that he prayed on a regular basis. And it's called St. Patrick's Breastplate. And it goes like this. I arise today 
through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of devils, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to be an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the ear of everyone, in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me, I arise today in a mighty strength. Patrick was able to labor fruitfully and faithfully for 30 years in a hostile place because he knew that he was secure in the Lord and that he was personally surrounded by the Lord. He could not be moved because he trusted in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are secure. Those who trust in the Lord are surrounded. And those who trust in the Lord are saved. We see that in verse 3. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. This is a promise of deliverance, of salvation for God's people from wickedness. As you read the Old Testament, I don't know if you uh, have been joining us for our Bible reading plan this year. Uh, We're reading Machane's uh, Bible reading plan, and so we're reading through uh, the Old Testament. And the story of God's people in the Old Testament is one of being ruled by the scepter of wickedness and then being saved, being delivered by the Lord. Egypt. Babylon, Persia, Rome, and that's not to mention all of the wicked Israelite kings. Each time the people of God were ruled by those who did not trust the Lord or fear the Lord, there, was, uh, there were many of the people who were led into idolatry and sin by those wicked rulers. And each time the Lord fought on behalf of his people. And there was a historical deliverance. There was the exodus. There was the return from exile. There were kings raised up who brought reformation and restoration. But this promise in in this psalm goes well beyond historical deliverance, and it goes all the way to ultimate salvation. Because there was, for Old Testament saints and for us, a greater scepter of wickedness ruling over all of us than any pagan human ruler. Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one starts like this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. We were once under the dominion and power of the evil one. 
And by his life and death and resurrection, Jesus has once and for all liberated all who trust in him. He has saved us from Satan, and he has saved us from all the times that we stretch out our hands to do wrong. He has saved us from our sin and from its consequences. I would ask you, do you know today that you are saved ultimately and eternally by trusting, by believing in, by placing your confidence in, by relying on, by receiving and resting in Jesus Christ alone? If so, if you know today that your hope is all staked on Jesus Christ, then you are secure and surrounded and saved from this time forth and forevermore. Even the days when wickedness and its effects are strongly felt. When sin and sorrow suffering and grief and death and darkness and discord, whether you ascend to the heavens with good things and blessings flowing in your life, or whether you descend to Sheol, the place of the dead, with disappointment and betrayal and heartbreak, whether you take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you can say with the psalmist, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Everywhere your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Those who trust in the Lord are secure. They are surrounded. They are saved. And I think in the latter part of this psalm, the psalmist gives us the primary expression of that trust. What does it look like to be one who trusts in the Lord? It looks like prayer. It looks like prayer. And so I want to encourage you to trust in the Lord, to actively rely on the Lord, to, to purposefully put your confidence in the Lord this week by praying specifically for three things mentioned here. As someone who is secure and surrounded and saved, pray to the Lord first for provision. The psalmist says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Verse 4. This isn't the prosperity gospel saying that if you do good things, then you will get good things. This isn't karma. This is a, a humble prayer of a child of God. We are not good and upright in our hearts because we decided to be. We are not righteous in and of ourselves. We are righteous because Christ has given to us his righteousness. We are righteous before God because he has declared it so and he has sent his spirit into our hearts to conform our lives to what is already true of us in Christ. We are good and upright in our hearts to the degree that we are because the Lord loved us. Because he saved us, because he makes us secure, because he surrounds us, and because he is transforming us to be like him. So our prayer, our trust is expressed in a humble prayer for provision for God's people. In the words of Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. Actively express your trust in the Lord this week by praying for his daily provision for your needs. 
Second thing is protection. In verse 5, it says, But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. The Lord will ultimately protect his people from evildoers. The Lord is just, and vengeance belongs to him. And so we pray in faith for protection of God's people from evildoers. There's a whole genre of psalms in this book of psalms called imprecatory prayers where the psalmist actively asks for God's judgment on the wicked and liberation for his people. But as much as we ask for deliverance from evildoers out there, we also have to recognize our own susceptibility to evil and how easily we turn aside to crooked to crooked ways. Our trust in the Lord is expressed in humble prayer for the protection of God's people. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Express your trust in the Lord this week by praying for the Lord's protection from evil outside and evil inside. Pray for provision. Pray for protection. And lastly, pray for peace. The latter part of verse 5, peace be upon Israel. This prayer acknowledges that things are not yet as they should be. Sometimes the people of God dwell under the scepter of wickedness. Sometimes the people of God are living in chaos and conflict with external and internal forces. Sometimes we are filled with anxiousness about tomorrow and what it might hold for us. Sometimes it seems like the world is on fire, or at least my world is on fire. And the word of God speaks directly to those who are experiencing that, but who are trusting in the Lord. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts by praying for the shalom, by praying for the peace that can only be given by the God who holds you secure, by the God who surrounds you and is always with you, by the God who has saved you. Our trust in the Lord is expressed in humble prayer for the peace of God's people. And we say it like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those who trust in the Lord are secure. Those who trust in the Lord are surrounded by the Lord at all times. Those who trust in the Lord will ultimately and finally be saved from temporal evildoers and from our own evil and from the tyranny of the devil. And those who trust in the Lord can pray in eager expectation for provision for protection, and for peace. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we know that it is you who holds us secure, that it is you that surrounds your people, that provides for us so great a salvation. And Lord, we look to you. 
We look to you for peace, Lord. We want peace in our hearts. We want peace in our homes. We want peace in our relationships. We want peace in our city, and we want peace in the world. And yet, Lord, the world is not as it should be. For each of us in our personal lives, in our households, and Lord, just in all things, the disruption of peace is evident. The conflict and mistrust and distrust is, is always there. Lord, good being called evil and evil being called good. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to, to do as your word says, to as far as it depends on us, live peaceably with all. But, Lord, equip us to do that by giving us peace in our spirits, knowing that we are at peace with you because you have made peace by the blood of Christ's cross. And, Lord, we pray for protection because we need it. Protect us from the evil one. Protect us from ourselves and our flesh. Protect us from the world. And Lord, we ask for provision. Lord, you know the current situation in which we live. You know the intimate details of our lives, and you know that there are needs in this room material needs, and Lord, I ask that you would provide and that you would use your church as a means to provide for those who are in need. Lord, we thank you for all of these things because we pray with eager expectation that you will do them because you are our Lord, you are our help, and we lift our eyes to you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and respond to God's word in song.